Ladies, gentlemen, everybody listening, welcome to the trade deadline extravaganza here on the Diamond Duo Podcast. My name is Tom Bauer. I'm joined by my co-producer and co-host, Tony Puglisi, as we explore the wide world of baseball in these uncertain times, at least for us. Because right now, we're talking two days before the trade deadline. Meanwhile, the trade deadline will have already passed for you all by the time this episode releases. But that's not the point. Because this episode is brought to you by Joe Pesci. And you're going to find out exactly why in two minutes' time. (laughs) So, um, Tony! (laughs) Hi. How are you? How you doing? How you doing, pal? (laughs) I'm doing fantastic because you know what happened. I checked out the fantasy baseball um, scores this week from our fantasy league. And if you don't remember in the last episode, excuse me. You mean the me? one where you're in sixth place, that one? Yeah, the one where I'm about to beat your ass this week, and you're going to have to sing some Joe Pesci as a punishment, where I've already beaten you twice this year, even though you're somehow the first place team. That's a Mickey Mouse team, in my opinion. It's it's a Mickey Mouse team, yeah. You're like... a Mickey Mouse team, in my opinion. You should not be first place if you're trashing my team for being in sixth, even though there's eight people that make the postseason, and there's 14 or 15 teams in this league. And I'm sixth, and that's a problem to you. You shouldn't have lost to me twice, then. Shouldn't have lost to me? I'm sorry, who has the better record overall? He's Who's gonna go into the playoffs pretty much with a bye? You don't get a bye in the postseason, dumbass. What? Yes, there- no, there isn't, because there's a different number of teams. That was my other league where there's a bye. <laughs> I'm gonna- I'm attributing that to the time, because I'm not tired, I'm just stupid. So, nevertheless- my entire team was hurt. Shut your mouth. Oh, Julio. boo. Julio Rodriguez. I'll throw in the smallest violin. I cannot wait till I beat your ass in the playoffs. I cannot wait till I bounce you from this league and I have you by seven Astros bobbleheads, all from the 2017 season. Beat me? You haven't even beaten me once. Even in the podcasts, like, oh. posts that we do on social media, you've never beaten me before. That's that's a non-sequitur. That's not related to anything we're talking about. I'm just saying, you don't even have one win against me. What makes you think that one win will come in the postseason? Because my team's bound to break out, obviously. My team was hurt when I first played you, hurt when I played you again. <laughs> oh, I'm crying in the inside. Editor Tom, the smallest violin again, please. I cannot wait till your ass gets bounced in the first round in this postseason, because even if it's not me, I don't care if it's not me, because I know you're going to get bounced in the first round. Me? We'll see. We'll see when Walker Bueller and Bryce Harper get back. So anyway, everybody, this is not a fantasy baseball podcast if you're just tuning into the first time. No, no. <laughs> this is a legitimate MLB podcast, and we will be getting to trade deadline stuff in a little bit, but first we have to settle this bet. That me and Tony placed last week. And of course, he's going to be singing Joe Pesci's Wise Guy as punishment for losing <laughs> to yours truly in just a um, few moments here. But Tony, you, you were the one who stumbled across this gem of a song by Joe Pesci. I didn't even know he made albums to begin with until you showed me this one day after a show. And I'm pretty sure we spent the next hour post-show... <laughs> Post-mortem, just <laughs> laughing our ass off to Joe Pesci. Yeah, folks, in case you didn't know, Joe Pesci, which, if you don't know who Joe Pesci is, first off, shame on you. Go watch Goodfellas. It's the greatest movie ever made, and anyone who disagrees is f***ing wrong. Number two, he's a famous actor of Italian-American heritage, which is why I love the man so much. Yeah, apparently he released a joke album in the year of our Lord, 1998, called Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You. 
Which, if that name doesn't ring a bell, go watch My Cousin Vinny. It's one of the funniest movies you'll ever watch. It's an album of, uh, interesting origin and interesting execution. And it features the, uh, Oscar-winning actor rapping about how fat his ass is and how wise of a guy he is and how he's gonna kick Santa in the balls if he doesn't come this Christmas or something like that. It's, it's a time. I almost don't see this as a punishment because I get to give you, the people of the world, the gift of Joe Pesci singing. Uh, honestly, singing's kind of putting it lightly, both on Joe's account and my account because I'm not a good singer and Joe is more rapping in the song than singing. Jeez, you're, dro- you're, you're droning on, Tony. You're just putting the inevitable off. Am I, Um, though? Hey, speaking of which, a couple disclaimers. We're recording on Sunday, July 31st. Uh, That's, of course, in the year 2022. Eastern Standard Time, about 9 o'clock in the p.m. Again, trade deadline's two days away. Most of our predictions are going to have come true, whether or not they were right or wrong, in the time this is released. So, Editor Tom and Editor Tony are going to have a baller of a time recording updates for y'all in the final draft of this episode and second and most importantly go follow us on social media we are at diamond on twitter the diamond podcast on instagram the teams of the first half draft that we did is going to be posted there very very shortly in the coming days bit of a delay on our part but it's all right we'll get them out to you early yeah. this week my apologies so, teams of the first half are going to be up soon. Go vote for that. Go vote for my team, because it's better. Vote for Tom's if you want to give him some pity points, but mine's clearly the better team. Um, any rate, Tony, I think it's time. Are we sh- Yeah, it's it's time. All right, let's get right into the trade deadline. After this fine message by Tony Puglisi, <laughs> a.k.a. Joe Pesci. Hit it! All right, here goes nothing. I know I'm going to screw up. I already know it. It's a bitches that'll get yous. <laughs> Oh god, it's the bitches that'll get you. I'm already behind. Why does he say this three times? It's the bitches that'll get you. Hey, hey, paid out my ass. Treat all my broads like trash. You'll catch a blast if you move too fast. I talk with class, you don't have to ask. Getting everything by flashing cash. Fighting and stealing, don't kill without feeling. So I win the casino before they start dealing. All about respect and intellect. Only mess with the women that pick up the check. <laughs> Two supermodels, one on each arm. One chick's brunette, the other was blonde. Heard their fathers at stocks and bonds. I fucked, so I fucked them up and left them in a pond. <laughs> Customary clothes from head to toe. Catch Joe at the fight, sitting first row. Everybody follows when I'm ready to go. No need to show off, they already know. I'm a wise guy. Lovely day in the neighborhood! Lovely day in the neighborhood for drive Lovely day in the neighborhood! Lovely day in the neighborhood for drive-by! It's a bitches out of kitchens. Hey, I don't drive by. I'm a wise guy. I just stop by with a couple of guys. And I take your <laughs> and I take your eyes. <laughs> Cause I'm a wise guy. I'm a wise guy. Okay, that's all we're doing, because copyright and no. (laughs) If any of you stopped listening after that, in the middle of that, or after that, you know what? I don't blame you. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I never knew the lyrics to this song. Like, I never knew all of them. Some of them caught me by surprise. Oh my god, I forgot he said he's gonna leave people in a pond, whatever the hell it was. (laughs) Well, the next verse started out with a made man fact, like my ass is fat. So that should already catch you in the mood to want to keep singing, but we are going to stop it there because we got to move on with the podcast. Also, copyright. 
This is already probably copyrighted material. <laughs> we don't want the last verse where he says, her mother didn't like me, I never gave a f her brother didn't like me, I hit him with a truck. We don't want that in the episode, are we sure? He also rhymed didn't like me with didn't like me. Come on, give the man a Grammy already. Give him a Tony, give him a whatever. I'll give him a Tony. My name is Tony, I feel like I'm obligated as such. God damn, why was this what we thought of? We could have thought of anything else. <laughs> no, this is hilarious. You just wanted to hear me sing the uh, ladies part um, in the middle of the, the uh, chorus. Did I, did, did we, did the people, the loving public ask for that, Tom? Did they ask for any of this? Absolutely. That was quality, top, top quality material right there. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I can't wait till we go triple platinum with our cover of Wise Guy by Joe Pesci. I hope you guys enjoyed that rendition of Wise Guy by Joe Pesci. There's two more verses if you want to sing along. There's a YouTube video. Yeah, I guess Funbox Karaoke on YouTube. Go sing along if you want. It's got 110 views, so please go boost that channel's views on that song alone. And uh, comment that the Diamond Duo podcast was here because we want some traction. Any rate, <laughs> let's move on. That's our digital footprint. We're leaving our name on Joe Pesci raps. I love it. <laughs> Going where the money's at. Some people leave their footprints on the moon. We're leaving it on Joe Pesci's Wise Guys <laughs> YouTube karaoke lyric video. I love it. So there are a couple deals that were already done well ahead of the deadline. Uh, is it safe to say, though, Tom, that, like, the best is yet to come, so to speak? Like, there's still a ton of names on the board at the time of recording. There's still a bunch of teams with needs, <coughs> Yankees, and there's still a bunch of places these free agents could go. But for the time being, free agents, what I'm saying, trade pieces, am I an idiot? Jesus. Let's go over some of the trades that were already made, starting with the New York Yankees. Uh, sensing a Joey Gallo-shaped hole in the outfield. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can I um, submit this for approval? No. Can we make this a uh, Puglisi's Paisan? Because this is an Italian Ooh. going to the Yankees, which is the embodiment of Italian, if you ask me. So, I mean, I I think, Editor Tom, cue the cue the music for Puglisi's Paisan. Let's get into this, brother. Take it away. I love how this has a theme. So, all right, my newest Paisan on my favorite team, the New York Yankees, is one Mr. Andrew Benintendi of the Kansas City Royals, formerly of the Kansas City Royals, came on over to the Bronx in exchange for Yankees number 19 pitching prospect, TJ Sikama, their 21st prospect, Beck Way, and an unlisted prospect prospect, also a pitcher named Chandler Champlain. So the Yankees now have the holy trinity of Paisans converged in New York. They have Anthony Rizzo, they got Ron Marinaccio, and they've got Andrew Benintendi now. Joey Gallo was in that triangle, but you know what? He broke my heart this year. He broke my heart, so he's out of the triangle and Benintendi's in. Benintendi's already got like a 500 OBP with the Yankees. He's probably already walked more than Gallo has uh, in his tenure here, uh, but that's not important. The Yankees upgraded at a critical position with Joey Gallo very, very likely on the move. Hello there, Editor Tom here chiming in post-episode about trade deadline updates. Now, Editor Tony will chime in as well during the second half of this episode to pick off where I leave off in editing, so if you hear one of us randomly interrupt ourselves, do not be alarmed. Now, what we will be doing in editor mode is essentially filling in where players move to in their deals if we reference them throughout the episode, and we won't chime in on every single thing as we will be fully analyzing the deadline in our next episode. So stay tuned for that if you want to hear our full analysis. Now, 
Tony just mentioned Joey Gallo, and, well, yeah, he's on the move. And believe it or not, Joey Gallo is heading to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Clayton Beater, who was the Dodgers' number 15 prospect in their system at the time of this recording. So again, we won't be doing our full analysis on Joey Gallo right here necessarily, but stay tuned next week and you will get the gist of that. Anyway, back to the episode. They've now got more flexibility in the outfield. They've got that lefty bat, that lefty uh, that Yankee fans just love to love to harp on. And overall, Tom, good deal. Are we in agreement with that? Yeah, this is a good deal for the Yankees. They practically gave up nothing for Andrew Benintendi, and I believe Benintendi won't be with the Yankees much longer. I believe he's a free agent after this year, Tony. At any rate, Andrew Benintendi, though, good pickup by the New York Yankees, gives them what they need, that contact-focused uh, left-handed bat that they just absolutely need in the lineup. They needed some more balance. Andrew Benintendi gets this. Of course, it is. Oh, my God. This does probably take them out of the chase for Juan Soto, most certainly, but more on him in a few minutes. It does give them probably one of the better left-handed bats that was on the trade market to begin with. So I'm very impressed that this trade even went through for Kansas City, because honestly, they probably could have demanded at least one top 10 prospect, at the very least for Andrew Benintendi. But that was not the only move made in New York, as over in Queens, Tyler Naquin and Philip Deal Welcome to the New York Mets. They were exchanged for Hector Rodriguez and right-handed prospect Jose Acuna. I don't believe there's any relation to Ronald. And those two will be heading to Cincinnati. And Tony, this is kind of like not really a big-time deal. I mean, especially with Philip Deal, I have no idea how he'll do. And frankly, his numbers were disgusting, so I don't even bear repeating them. But Tyler Naquin, though, is a good depth piece for the Mets. I really like what they're doing acquiring that depth, so that way they can attack the right-handed bats, especially in a postseason push. Remember, they also got Daniel Vogelbach not too long ago, and he's already made his impact known in New York because I'm pretty sure there's a crater-sized hole at home plate caused by Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah, no. I remember reading somewhere that Steve Cohen and Billy Ebler, they weren't trying to just get, you know, one monumental piece. It's about building a thorough baseball team. And Tom, the word you use, depth, that's exactly the word I'd use to describe this signing. While not having a bad year in particular, you know, he's hovering around a 100 OPS plus, uh, Tyler Naquin, I mean, he kind of did that last year too. He's not going to be a game changer. He's going to be a guy like Vogelback off the bench, kind of to compliment Mark Canna, I would describe. You know, Mark Canna doesn't play every day. He's usually, you know, in and out of the lineup. He'll come out in like the eighth inning to hit against somebody. So I describe Naquin as like a left-handed hitting Mark Canna. It didn't cost him that that much. Frankly, Jose Acuna and Hector Rodriguez were both unlisted in the Mets prospect system. Neither of them were top 30. That's what that means. Now, Philip Deal, I'm with you on. He's not a great pitcher. He, I think he's had like five major league games so far, and he has an ERA over 11. However, let's just say the Mets don't go through and get that like inning-eating bullpen type, like, you know, a Michael Fulmer or an Andrew Chafin or another reliever that's not on the Tigers. Philip Deal, not a great option, but in case they don't get another bullpen option, they can at least say we upgraded. We have something. Both New York teams off to a pretty good start here around the trade deadline. Let's transition now into something that's not a trade, but it's pretty, it's a move that kind of negates a trade or a future free agent signing. The Padres locked up upcoming free agent Joe Musgrove to a five-year, $100 million extension that the San Diego product is staying home. Good for San Diego. Honestly, I'm more surprised they didn't do it sooner. Guys like Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer were just screaming at the front office to pay that man. Ha! Hosmer having a voice in the Padre system? No, no, no. 
not anymore. Initially packaged in the Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade that we will divulge in the near future, Hosmer declined going to Washington due to his no-trade clause and will instead go to Boston for Jay Groom and possibly some other players, but I didn't write that down. He's having a Cy Young type season. Absolutely great move for San Diego for now and for the future. Now, the one that's got me scratching my head, Tom, I'm going to throw it to you right after this. The Colorado Rockies decided to lock someone up long term. And I say long term with a couple air quotes. It's only a two year extension, but it's for their closer. It's for Daniel Bard, who granted he's having a career season this year. This isn't like last year where he started off great and then tapered off or 2020 where he was great, but everyone said, oh, it's a shortened season. It's not sustainable. He's genuinely one of the best closers in baseball this year. I believe at the time of this recording, his ERA is still somehow below two at Coors Field. Great for Daniel Bard. He's getting paid. It's a two, uh, two-year $19 million deal. I don't think I said that yet. But the Rockies, again, deciding to, uh, you know, not pay guys like Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story and John Gray, but they'll pay for a bullpen piece who I'm not a big fan of extending closers. You can see that in the Aroldis Chapman and Josh Hader contracts. So I don't know. What are your take on these deals? So I'll start with Daniel Bard because he was the last guy that you mentioned. And I'd like to point something out about the Rockies if you haven't already. Their GM, great voice crack. GM of the Rockies came out and said that, you know what, guys, we're not going to sell really at the deadline. If anything, we're just going to kind of stay put because, you know, we like where we are. We love the direction we're heading. You know, we didn't just overpay for Chris Bryant in the offseason. We're 46 and 56, fourth place in the NL West. We're still selling tickets, making money. That's good for us. We got Coors Field and our offense can be sustainable, but our pitching, eh, let's not worry about that. We don't care about winning. Honestly, I have no idea why they want to keep Daniel Bard around for two years at $19 million. He's one of the best coaches in baseball, as you mentioned. A 186 ERA at the time of this recording, Tony. He's got 2.2 war for a reliever, which is extremely impressive on the year. He's got 22 saves as well on the year. I mean, he's got great stuff, great story, probably a great guy. I mean, hell, I would want him on my team. I just don't know why they're in the business of extending people. I would have probably wanted to trade Daniel Bard because your farm system is probably shot. Because I have no idea who they have in their farm system, really. I guess they just want, they saw a good pitcher and you're like, you know what, we'll lock him up. We don't care about our future. Let's just go 500 possibly in the now and we'll be content with that. Now, in terms of Joe Musgrove, you mentioned it, the hometown kid. Very good move, I think, on San Diego's part. Locking down one of their best pitchers. Probably even their best starter of probably the past two years or so. Now, Tony. We did have one deal that went down for the best available pitcher on the trade market, and that was Luis Castillo. And he didn't go to the Yankees like many thought. No, no, no. He went to the Seattle Mariners. And when I say the Reds took their biggest, fattest, only W of the year, I truly mean that. They received the number one prospect from Seattle, Noel V. Marte, a probably top five prospect in baseball. Edwin Arroyo, their number three prospect. Why are you shaking your head? He's not a top five prospect? He is a top ten prospect, but he is not top five. That's subjective. Whatever. No, it's not. It's literally listed on the I don't care. I'll list him as a top five prospect. He's not even in the top ten. Wait. He's number 17. (laughs) Eat He's a top five (laughs) prospect. That's all subjective. (laughs) At any rate, Seattle's number one prospect. Might not be top 10, but he's top 10 in my heart. Noel V. Marte, 
going to Cincinnati. They also picked up Seattle's number three prospect, Edwin Arroyo, and also pitchers Levi Stoud, who's their number five, and Andrew Moore. Now, I really don't know who Edwin Arroyo, Stoud, and Andrew Moore is, but I do know Noel V. Marte has been insanely hyped up as one of the best infielders that should be making rounds in terms of debuts in the next few seasons. And Cincinnati just hit a fat W for their farm system, Tony. But more importantly, because we don't care about Cincinnati on the show unless there's deep drives to left or slaps involved, Luis Castillo is going to a contender, and some have called Seattle's rotation now with him the best in baseball. I don't know how true that statement is, but I want to know if that's what you think. See, best rotation in baseball, it's kind of tough to gauge because I'm still a little high on the Yankees. But to say the Mariners are bare minimum in contention for that title, I think you have to say that. I mean, just look at who they've got. They've got Robbie Ray as their bonafide ace, and he's not even having the best season. He's turned it around as of late, but still, his ERA plus sits below average at 93. The guy who's been closest to an ace all year for them has been Logan Gilbert, uh, who sits at a much more respectable 137 ERA plus. A couple of you know, good but not great options. You know, the old reliable types of Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez are still around. I've always been apologist for these guys the past two, three years or so, especially Gonzalez. Guy is a model of consistency, even if his K per nine is kind of dreadful. But you plug Castillo into that rotation, and like, even if Flexen and Gonzalez aren't the best, I kind of comp it to, uh, to Milwaukee's rotation last year when they had Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta all at peak performances at the top three, and then guys like Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser as their four or five guys. And that's not to mention, you also have George Kirby at the big league level. He might get sent down at some point, but he's here now. I believe he actually pitched not too long ago, and Luis Castillo is only going to serve to make him better. And the Mariners have really been surging since, you know, the end of the first half, beginning of the second half. They're entrenched firmly in a wildcard spot right now. They're a half game above Tampa Bay, who they themselves are a game and a half above Cleveland at the time of recording this. There's still time to screw it up. I mean, they're the Mariners. They know a <laughs> thing or two about playoff utility, or not even that, failure to get into the playoff uh, when it comes to futility. But this will help them a lot, honestly. My mantra when it comes to picking up pitching at the deadline you could never have enough. You really can't. I mean, look at the Padres last year. They got zero pitchers other than Daniel Hudson, and then everyone either regressed or got hurt, and they felt his shit. And the Mariners are using that as a cautionary tale. Even if they didn't particularly need Castillo, there are definitely teams in greater need of a pitcher. Fantastic move. Prospects they lost, though, I'd be lying if I'd say it wasn't an overpayment. Like, I'll just keep this brief because I did ramble enough about Castillo as it, as it is. You summed up Marte pretty good. He's a top prospect in baseball. I akin him to, like, an Anthony Volpe light, in a way. But I want to highlight Edwin Arroyo a little bit. He's another one. I kind of comp him, like, the way I said Anthony Volpe light, and this isn't just because I'm a Yankee fan. What Arroyo is to Marte, Oswald Peraza is to Anthony Volpe. You know, Edwin Arroyo has similar tools, but overall Marte is seen as the, ver uh, as the better prospect. Arroyo, he's 18 years old. His ETA, according to MLB.com, is 2025. But yeah, the trade was weird. I think Cincinnati still won, but for the need that they had to fill, they filled it. DePoto said himself, you gotta spend big. When you're getting an ace pitcher, you gotta take chances. Yeah. Call it an overpay all you want, which it was. But this team has not kissed the postseason in about 20 years. They're shooting for the stars, and I don't blame Jerry DePoto for making that move. Now, Tony, those are the deals that are done, but now we gotta talk about who's left. 
and there are a lot of names out there. We're going to go through some of them that you wrote down individually, batters and pitchers. We're going to kind of gauge their market a little bit. Who could be interested in ultimately where they are going to land? Now, this is where it's going to be fun for editor Tom and editor Tony. If you didn't hear the disclaimer at the beginning of the episode, we are recording this Sunday, July 31st. We're probably going to be editing this on Tuesday, which is the trade deadline. So we're going to predict where these players are going to land now, if they even go anywhere that we predict. And we're going to see who's got the most right or wrong answers out of the two of us. There's a very good chance that both of us will probably be wrong quite a bit. But that's okay. Go see our uh, free agency predictions. They were utter crap. <laughs> so, let's start gauging away. Juan Soto. <laughs> <laughs> let's start small. The let's start small possible. and work our way up we're, we're gonna get to david robertson everybody don't worry about that <laughs> uh, <laughs> yankees legend himself but uh we're gonna start with juan soto because that's who tony wrote down first under the batters category now tony juan soto if you haven't heard of him he is the <laughs> as the kids say the next coming of ted williams uh he plays for the washington nationals he's got a lot of team control well not a lot of team control but he does want $500 million, or at least an average annual value of probably $40 million, and he probably deserves it. But where will he land, Tony? Because he is the biggest chip on the block, and it's down to three teams, apparently. The Padres, the Dodgers, and the Prophecy, the St. Louis Cardinals. No rants, because nothing has happened yet, but God forbid he ends up going to the Cardinals. There will be a prophecy rant next week somewhere in the episode. Tony, I will let you take the baton first. Juan Soto, what is his market like? What's he going to command? Where is he going to land? That rhymed. You totally intended that, I'm sure. We actually touched on Soto a bit last week when it comes to generally what the Nationals are asking for. Just to reiterate, it's something in the ballpark of four or five top prospects like young guys who can make a serious impact at the big league level and an MLB ready guy with, you know, a fair bit of service time. So, uh, Juan Soto, uh, he's actually having a very bad year. Folks, he's terrible this year. He only has a 155 OPS plus. That's atrocious. By Juan Soto standards, of course, his best is a 217 in the, the COVID shortened season, Jesus Christ, but that's not important. As to what he could command, um, I'll give you the framework as to what was considered the best possible deal, potentially, on the table for Soto at the moment. It was actually submitted by the Padres, and it involved players, some of their top guys, like C.J. Abrams, like Mackenzie Gore, like Robert Hassel III, and plenty more. Plenty more. There's a lot of guys that the Padres in particular could offer. I mean, they've only spent the past how many years just cobbling together the best farm system in baseball, or at least one of them. They're willing to let it all go for Juan Soto, which quite frankly, if I'm AJ Preller, I'm seriously considering doing that. See, I want to be bold and say Soto doesn't even get moved. However, guys like Jeff Passan have said it's like an 80% chance now that Soto is traded before the deadline. The Nationals have said, we're going to give them like one final offer. It's going to be another crazy long deal, crazy good money, like 400 something million minimum. But if he denies that, we're going to trade him because he is under team control actually for a bit. He's going to be a free agent in 2025. However, if he's not going to sign long term, you might as well get a king's ransom for a literal game changer. This is like you said, Tom, this is not inflating Soto's ego by calling him the next Ted Williams. This is just a fact. 
He's the best hitter in baseball, if you ask me. Pure hitter. Where he's going to go, Tom, if I had the answer to that, I would probably be employed by ESPN or Fox Sports or somebody paying, getting paid big money to just prophesize where everyone goes. Heh, <laughs> prophesize, prophecy. But uh, I'm actually going to go against the prophecy and say it's not going to be the Cardinals. They've got a lot. How dare you? See, I know you're going to say the Cardinals, so I want to be different. <laughs> but to be fair, the Cardinals have a lot of good assets they could offer. They can give um, uh, Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor, Ivan Herrera, Mason Wynn. These guys have all been thrown around, which, again, would you blame the team if you can get Juan Soto? Like, the Dodgers have a hot young catching prospect named Diego Cartaya, which it's kind of a no-brainer to move him. Will Smith is going to be here long term. But I bring him up, but honestly, I don't think it's going to be the Dodgers. I feel like the Padres get back at the Dodgers here. Because if you remember, a year ago around this time, the Padres almost struck a deal with the Nationals. They almost, I mentioned it earlier, they almost got Max Scherzer. Forgot about this. But uh-oh, big brother Dodgers are here, and they got Scherzer and Trey Turner. I'm saying the Padres, number one, because I do think they have the most tantalizing prospect pool for the Nationals to go after. They just had the type of players I think the Nationals would try and take on and develop. I think that's better than any deal you can get from the Dodgers or Cardinals. Plus, I also kind of want to speak it into existence that the Dodgers don't get him. Like, probably the only tweet of Jared Carabas I've ever agreed with is, can we just as a community, a baseball community, agree to let the Dodgers stop getting all these franchise-altering talents and give someone else a turn? So, you know what, Jared? I'm going to agree with you. I don't like that you're a Red Sox fan, but I agree. Give them to the Padres, give them a chance to actually compete with the Dodgers, and actually let them live up to that hype. That's my prediction. It's probably going to be wrong, but... That's my two cents. All right, Tony. So you pretty much hit the nail on the head of everything I could have possibly said about Juan Soto. So I'm going to leave it at this. I'm going to be fun and say he's going to get traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, no prophecy rant. I just think that they probably have one of the best packages compared to what the Padres have. It's really a pick-your-poison type thing for the Nationals. You can pick and choose whichever prospects you want. So he's going to go to the Cardinals. That's my prediction. That's where I think he'll land, because it'll make me look a lot better if he goes there. Yeah, I'm going to have to put my prophetic pride aside, because Tony was right here about Juan Soto, as he and Josh Bell are going to San Diego for C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, who is supposedly the centerpiece of this whole deal, Jarlin Susanna, or Harlan Susanna, I apologize if I said that wrong, and also Luke Voigt, who is a casualty of Eric Cosmer declining his option and instead going to Boston instead. But Luke Voigt will be heading to Washington instead as the first baseman instead of Hosmer. All right. So now that the number one pitcher is off the market, we're going to talk about the number two pitcher. That's Frankie Montas, the young ace of the Oakland Athletics. Having himself a pretty solid season out in Oakland, he's got a 1.6 war, a 4-9 record, which really doesn't speak volumes to anything because he's playing for the A's, a 3.18 ERA, 109 Ks, and 28 walks, a good K-to-walk ratio, a whip of 11.37, ERA plus of 117. Pretty solid stuff. Here's the problem. His price just skyrocketed because of Luis Castillo's trade with the Seattle Mariners. If Seattle was able to acquire Luis Castillo and the Cincinnati Reds got three top 10 prospects in return from Seattle, Oakland's at least probably going to want two top 10 prospects in some sort of MLB-ready-ish talent. So it's down to three teams for Montas, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Cardinals. If the Cardinals somehow get Juan Soto, 
they're not going to get Frankie Montas. I guarantee you that's not going to be the case. Why are you laughing? Tom, we forgot about the greatest deal that was struck so far. Dixon Machado's going to the Giants. Shut up. We don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrolling through Twitter looking for points that I can make, and I saw that. I'm trying Giants to make saved. It... Uh, listen, man, I'm trying to talk about <laughs> Frankie Montas here. The Giants know, season... But you the G- Giants are no longer on fire this year. They're going to win 100 games again, obviously. But let's get back on track and talk about Frankie Montas. Yeah, Blue Jays, Cardinals, or Yankees. I think because the Cardinals are getting Juan Soto, it's going to be out of the picture for Frankie Montas. If they're going to get anybody, it's it's going to have to be somebody who's a little bit cheaper that they could probably acquire. But more possibly on that later, because they definitely need pitching. So to me, this is down to the Blue Jays and the Yankees, and the Yankees are probably going to have to let go of either Volpe or Peraza, probably most likely Peraza, if they get Frankie Montas, and I honestly don't know if he's worth that price. Of course, if they make the World Series, yes, he's arbitration eligible for next year, and then he's a free agent. He's 29. He's great and all. I'm just thinking about the last trade we made for Oakland's ace, and that didn't work out so well, a la Sonny Gray. So, Frankie Montas, though, I am going to be an optimistic Yankee fan. I'm going to say he's going to go to the Yankees. See, Tom, you kind of alluded this earlier, which is where my pick is actually going to come from. You mentioned that, oh, in your timeline, the Cardinals get Soto, so they're not going to have too many top prospects left, and they're not going to want to splurge and get that starter. Maybe like a lower level guy that we'll talk about later. However, in my timeline, Soto goes to the Padres, which means the Cardinals then have to shift gears and try to fix another hole. And that's why I think they go hard for Frankie Montas. And honestly, I think they get him. Now, trust me, Tom, I want to be an optimist. I want to say the Yankees get him too. But I feel like with how much the price of a starter just shot up, something tells me the Yankees aren't going to want to pay for him. I do think the Yankees get a starter, I'll go to him in a minute, but I feel like in my timeline, if the Cardinals miss out on Soto, they go hard for Montas, and they, like I said before, they have the prospect pool to do it, and the Cardinals desperately need pitching. I don't think we've talked about this enough on this show. Tom, for as much as you love the Cardinals, their pitching has been ass this year. Yeah, it has been. Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright have been fine. Their bullpen has been surprisingly good. Dakota Hudson's not been it. Steven Matz was horrible before getting injured. They need that pitcher. They need that lockdown starter, honestly, more than Seattle did. And look at how much Seattle paid to get that full five rotation without George Kirby. So... I'm going to say the Cardinals, they part with one of their top five prospects and like another lesser prospect to get them, and they don't make the playoffs anyway because the prophecy is false. But (laughs) Tom just flipped me off. Well, Tony, the prophecy is not false. What is false was your prediction of Frankie Montas going to St. Louis. My pick of the Yanks grabbing him did come true, though. And joining Montas on the Yankees is Lou Trevino, not to be confused with Jose Trevino. And going to Oakland in this deal are J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, Cooper Bowman, and Luis Medina. No Oswald Peraza, though, so good on the Yankees for not getting rid of him. Let's go back to the hitters for now, because we got another big one uh, coming out of Southside. Uh, a guy whose price was rumored to be very, very, very high, and for wait, good wait, reason. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You just said the South Side. That's the White Sox. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Dumbass. It's okay. They're both trash this year, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> they're easy to confuse. If you didn't catch on now, we're talking about the Chicago Cubs, and 
I, honestly, Tony, you might as well just bundle these two together because... I was literally about to say that. Because <laughs> they're both on the same team. Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. I will let you talk now. Oh, will you? Thank you. But either way, Wilson Contreras, every team that's needed a catcher that's a contender so far this year, i.e. the Mets and the Astros, have been in on Wilson Contreras so far. And as was reported earlier today, Contreras is, or rather the Cubs' asking price of Wilson Contreras is, uh, it's a little high. They were asking for some big-name prospects, and honestly, can you blame them? Contreras was an all-star this year. He's arguably the best catcher in baseball. If not, he's second to maybe Alejandro Kirk. He's a guy that you don't really find at the catcher at the catcher position very much. A guy who just smacks the snot out of the baseball. So, the Mets obviously have a huge need for a catcher right now. Their number one catcher, I think, is Patrick Mazika or Michael Perez with both Tomas Nito and James McCann on IL. They are in serious need of a catcher. The Astros, too, their only catchers are Jason Castro and Martin Maldonado. I will praise Martin Maldonado for decades about his catching abilities and his defensive wizardry, but the guy can't hit. That's just the fact of the matter. They actually have the lowest catcher weighted runs created plus in the American League. I believe it's them and the Rays who are surprisingly bad at it. They both very much need a catcher. Ian Happ as well. There's a big market for outfielders right now. Uh, and it's actually, there's an article on MLB's app right now. If you look, this outfielder is gaining quote unquote huge interest. Uh, and it's actually John Heyman reporting that teams like the Padres, Brewers, uh, and Blue Jays actually are in on Ian Happ right now. Hap also having a career year. We've talked about him a bunch. He was an all-star this year. I don't think these two are going to the same team because different uh, the teams that are in on both of them are very, very different. I'll just cut right to the chase because I've divulged the team's situations enough. I honestly feel like the Mets are going to walk away with Contreras. Billy Epler seems willing to spend, uh, and Contreras seems like that perfect mountaintop to me. Like, this is the big thing that the Mets have been waiting for, and it's a surefire answer to that catcher position until Francisco Alvarez, who is now the top prospect in baseball, by the way, gets here. Contreras is in a walk year, so even if they have faith in Francisco Alvarez going into next year, you could just rent him. You could rent Wilson Contreras, and you probably won't need to lose as big of a prospect. Granted, I do think this could be a bundle deal for the Mets, which I'll actually get into later, so I think the price will be a little high, but I feel like the Mets will do it. Now, Ian Happ's in a bit of a weird position. There's a lot of teams in on outfielders, and it's kind of hard to gauge who gets what. Or sorry, who gets whom, I should say. Uh, but I'm going to be a little bold and say the Brewers get them. You know what? They've kind of had kind of a log, not, not so much a log jam, but a deficit of production in the outfield so far this year. You know, they've had Hunter Renfro and Andrew McCutcheon, who have been very surprising for them, particularly Renfro. But a switch hitter is, I think, almost necessary in that lineup right now. They've got Rowdy Telez as like their key lefty in that lineup. Other than that, I think it's just Colton Wong and Omar Narvaez. So... You kind of need to switch it up a bit. A good chunk of that lineup is right-handed heavy, and the, the Brewers are always in need of hitting. This has been the case for the past two years, and I think Ian Happ really, really fills that need. So, after they cut Lorenzo Cain earlier, the heir apparent in center field for the Milwaukee Brewers, I predict is going to be Ian Happ. So, I'll cut right to the chase. Wilson Contreras, I do think, is going to come down to two teams, the Astros and the Mets. I do think he's going to end up going to the Mets as well. Again, as a rental, great. They don't have to give up Francisco Alvarez. We hope they shouldn't. If they do, Billy Epler is stupid. Now, of course, if Contreras is going to the Mets, that means somebody's going to be going to Houston. I don't believe it's going to be Ian Happ, but it is going to be another notable hitter on the trade market that I do believe it will happen to. 
Inevitably, if they don't get one, I do believe the Astros will get the other. Now, in terms of Ian Happ, Tony has him going to the Brewers. I do have him going to another National League team, but it's not going to be one of the three that he mentioned. No, no, no. I'm going to be bold and say he's going to go to the Atlanta Braves. And here's why. They could use a very good bat to slot in into their lineup because some of their hitters are a little bit inconsistent. But more importantly, Adam Duvall is out for the rest of the season. They need an outfielder. Ian Happ fills that void. And he's Adam Duvall, but better, at least offensively. Defensively, Duvall's pretty solid. So I do think he's going to kind of be like that Eddie Rosario type piece that the Braves need. I don't know if that's going to be their only acquisition of the trade deadline yet. Remember, they made some underrated moves last year that turned out to be huge, and I think Ian Happ would be one of those moves. It wouldn't be underrated because Ian Happ is one of the best bets available on the market, but it would be a significant move, and I do believe believe that the Braves would be willing to pay that price for Ian Happ. So, again, I got Contreras to the Mets. I got Happ to the Braves. Hey, guys. Editor Tony here. I'm going to be providing you with the where are they now updates going forward. Like Tom said earlier, no full analysis. We'll save that till next week. But I'm starting you off right here with a real easy one because both Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are staying in Chicago. Obviously, we'll give our full takes next week, but (laughs) Jesus Christ, Chicago, how do you mess this up? Either way, I'll be popping in periodically just to tell you where everybody landed. Won't take up too much of your time. Just a brief little plug is all. I'll talk to you soon. All right. We did a twofer with the batters, Tony. Let's do a twofer with the pitchers. And I'm going to jump one of the guys that you wrote because I notice we have two angels written down back to back over each other. So let's start with the more obvious trade candidate, and that is Noah Syndergaard. So if you couldn't tell, the angels are kind of in this purgatory no i'm sorry it's not purgatory they're in hell again (laughs) with the likeness of mike trout and shohei otani still on the roster they're 43 and 58 at the time of this recording shout out (sighs) phil nevin a 16 and 29 record as the interim manager of this team great job phil honestly at some point you have to pull the trigger and you got to get rid of some of your stars and try and get something in return. Syndergaard's only on a one-year deal. He probably won't come back anyway unless he really loves losing out in Anaheim, which nobody does. And he makes their rotation actually pretty solid, and they do have actually have a pretty solid in terms of ERA rotation on the year, but he's not going to help you win. Clearly this year, it's not going to help. He's not going to be back next year either, so you know what? You might as well sell him now. Now, where does Noah Syndergaard go? is a very good question. So I'm going to be bold and say, since Frankie Montas went to the Yankees, I believe that the Blue Jays are looking for a right-handed arm, and Noah Syndergaard will fit that bill. Now, I don't know if they're necessarily looking at Noah Syndergaard right now. They're probably all eyes on Frankie Montas, but I do think Noah Syndergaard could be a good addition to the team. Oh, and I would also like to point this out. He was drafted by the Blue Jays, if you don't remember. The first round, the 38th overall pick of the 2010 MLB draft, and traded by them in the famous trade that sent R.A. Dickey, Mike Nikas, and Josh Tolley to the New York Mets. He was who ended up being 
that great trade piece for the Mets in return and helped them go far. Syndergaard on the year, by the way, 5-8 record, 3-3 ERA. Only 64 strikeouts. That's really low for Noah Syndergaard, but keep in mind he's always hurt and he's coming off of an injury year. So he's doing all right. A 106 ERA plus. He would help the Blue Jays out. I don't think he would take them over the top, but he would certainly help them out. I'm going to stop ranting about Noah Syndergaard. And I'm going to start ranting about Noah Syndergaard. It won't be a rant. It'll just be kind of a who I think is going to land him. Blue Jays are a very good option. I think they were in on him, but don't quote me on that. He probably won't end up going there. I've got him going to the Twins. The Twins need that boost to kind of separate themselves from the pack in the AL Central. They're only a handful of games up on Cleveland at the moment, and their rotation has been hot and cold. Joe Ryan started off great, now he's okay. Sonny Gray was great, but now he got hurt. Dylan Bundy has been blech all year. They need another pitcher in that rotation, and honestly, I think Syndergaard fits the bill. Granted, rotation would be a little right-handed heavy. They would have Ryan, Gray, and Syndergaard as their starters, all three of whom are righties. But let's be honest here, when you are pushing for a playoff spot, when it comes to pitching for the postseason, you need as much of it as you can. And I think the Twins take that to heart. They traded away a Syndergaard-type pitcher in Jose Barrios for some great prospects last year. I think they cough up a couple of those prospects to get a solid middle-of-the-rotation arm to help them get towards the postseason. So I've got them going to the Twins. Now, so, Tom, you mentioned two Angels pitchers. Well, one's not just a pitcher. (laughs) One's kind of like the oddball here, and that's Shohei Otani. I think it's kind of been understood in the baseball community, especially if you're an Angels fan, that you're just not going to win with this core. Like, if you couldn't win this year, this is kind of like the final nail in the coffin. Like, you're going to have to start selling off big pieces. And the question as to whether or not you should trade Shohei Otani... It's going to lead to a discussion in and of itself, one that Tom and I could have, frankly, in another episode, because that's a big discussion, whether or not you want to trade, basically, the modern-day Babe Ruth. So, I'm going to cut that chit-chat and just say, I don't think he moves. I really don't. I think the Angels are going to ask for way too much, which, to be fair, they should. Shohei Otani, I called Soto a game-changing talent. Shohei Otani literally changed the game when it comes to position players pitching, but... Even though the Angels, I really think, should start considering shopping Otani because obviously you're not going to get rid of Trout with that massive contract, he's not signed long-term. He's said that he wants to win in the past, which granted, every athlete's going to say that, but for for this particular scenario, you've got to understand that means he wants either the Angels to start winning or he wants to get the hell out of town. I feel like Perry Manassian would be keen on the latter should he see the correct package, which has got to be a Soto-esque package, maybe even more. But we'll see. I frankly don't think he gets moved. They're going to ask for way too much, and teams have plenty of other options. Yeah, Tony, you're pretty much right. If you're the Angels, you got to hit the f*** it button at some rate. You're going to nuke your fan base for sure, and rightfully so if you haven't nuked them already, because I don't know who would be a straggler at this rate, because I wouldn't want to root for this team, outside of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and some other guys that I've grown akin to, but realistically, this is not the time that Shohei Otani is going to get moved. I believe he's a free agent after next season, so I think if you're the Angels, you kind of got to run it back here and hope somehow that your overpaid veteran starting pitcher that you'll get in free agency is going to be the one, like Noah Syndergaard was supposed to be, to get them over to hump. It won't happen, because I believe next year there'll be a major fire sale in L.A., and if they let Shohei Otani become a free agent, 
and they don't get anything in return, then that is just sell the franchise at that rate, Art Mar- Artie Moreno. I don't even care if I always pronounce your name wrong, but he's not moving this year, guys. Let's just stop that chit chat. It's fun to have that conversation, but it ain't going to happen. Hello, Editor Tony again. So, as we expected, the Angels did shed some pieces this trade deadline. Syndergaard was one of them. He was actually shipped off to the Phillies, so we both kind of whiffed on that one. They traded him in exchange for a pair of outfielders, Mickey Moniak and Yadiel Sanchez, or Yadiel Sanchez. Forgive me, I'm probably mispronouncing your name. But also, as we both expected, Shohei Otani remains an angel. A good business decision, but a bad baseball decision, if you ask me anyway. So, score one for both of us. I guess. Alrighty. Now let's get back into some reality and start going batter, pitcher, batter, pitcher again. Let's start with Josh Bell. And to me, this is an easy one. I referenced this team earlier when I mentioned Wilson Contreras, and that's going to be the Houston Astros. They need a first baseman. They need a great bat to boost them in the postseason. I don't like that he'll end up in Houston. But that's where all signs are pointing right now. Everybody and their mother is saying he's going to go to Houston. End of the conversation. He should have been an all-star this year if he wasn't sodden as a replacement. I don't remember. Like 10% of the league was all-stars. So whatever. Tony's telling me he wasn't. But whatever. He's going to Houston. That End of conversation. He's going to get traded at the very least. I'm going to make this as short as possible. He was also my prediction to go to Houston. Like you said, Tom, Yuli Gurriel's just not been the answer at them at first base this year. They also don't have, you know, with Brantley on 10-day IL, their only lefties are Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Great hitters, but it's very, very, very righty-heavy, unless you count Jason Castro as well. A switch hitter could always shake things up in the the pool of righties they have to pull from. And Josh Bell just makes sense. He's one of the best first basemen in baseball this year. You could even DH him in the meantime while, while you could still play Gurriel at first. But why you would when you have Josh Bell, I straight up don't know. He's going to go to Houston. I There's a couple other teams in on, in on him, including the Mets. But I think the Mets get another first baseman that's not named Josh Bell. We'll actually get to him in just a little bit. You know, as Yankee fans, I think I speak for Tom when I say I'm incredibly thankful that Josh Bell did not go to the Houston Astros. No, he was a part of the Juan Soto deal. Tom gave you the whole package details earlier. I'm not going to repeat them, but yeah, uh, wow, did not think they'd actually go together, but good on you, San Diego. So we're on the same page here. Tom, I'm very curious as to see if we're on the same page with this pitcher, and that's a pitcher who Mm -hmm. a week ago, I wouldn't even think was going to get traded, but considering the state of his team, I I think it's kind of for the best if they do try to shop him around, and that's Carlos Rodon. Now, Carlos Rodon, I mean no exaggeration when I say this, is having one of the best seasons a National League pitcher is having this year. We talked about him ad nauseum when the All-Star game came around, so I'll save you the theatrics of his ERA+, and his K per 9, and this and that and the other thing. He's great. Let's just leave it at that. He's the ace of the Giants. He really should be on a team that's performing better than they actually are, but they're not. The Giants have described themselves as buyers and sellers, To be fair, I don't know what that means. (laughs) To me, it almost sounds like they're going to sell some pieces, but keep the critical ones, which almost leads me to believe that Rodon's not going to get traded, especially considering he's a free agent after 2024. He does have an opt-out after this year, I believe, though, so it could be a rental. 
However, I do think he gets traded, and this is where this might be my most off-the-wall take so far, because this team is in on another pitcher. And that team's actually the New York Yankees. I'm going to be a little bold and say the Yankees don't end up getting Frankie Montas. I feel like Rodon's going to be a cheaper option by means of you don't have as much control over him, given the opt-out, and you could easily just ship him off with, you know, a top prospect and like a couple other smaller pieces. I think if the Yankees lose out on Montas, Rodon needs to be their next option, and in this universe where the Cardinals get Montas, again, I'd love if the Yankees got Montas, don't get me wrong, but if the Cardinals do get him, they have to go after Rodon, and honestly, I think they get him. The price is going to be lower, and they need a starting pitcher. So, my pick is the Yankees. That's interesting that you say the price will, uh, I guess it will be lower than Montas, but if I'm the Giants and I'm selling him, it's got to be for the exact right price. And he's oh, yeah. doing a leaps and bounds better than Frankie Montas, I would like to point out. He is older, but he does have a deal that extends through next season. So that's something to keep in mind for Carlos or John. Remember, he signed a two-year deal with San Francisco, not a one-year deal. For a one-year deal, I'd say you got to ship him. But here's the thing. San Francisco's a 500 team right now. I believe they're 51 and 51 at the time of this recording. And they're the second to next team in the wild card standings to try and make the playoffs. What I mean is you've got the Cardinals who are outside looking in, and then you've got the Giants. But here's the thing. I think the Giants are going to keep their assets at the deadline and go for it. Why not? It is smarter to probably sell and hope for a brighter future. But if there's an extended playoff and you're a team on the out trying to get in, you got to keep Rodon. He's your second best option besides Logan Webb. Arguably, he could be better than Logan Webb this year. So, I believe the Giants are going to try and buy at the deadline. I did see that buyer and seller tweet, but I don't think if they sell and buy, they would get rid of Carlos Rodon necessarily. So, I don't have him moving anywhere. Because if they're going to buy, that means they still want to compete. And if they want to compete, they need Carlos Rodon. Plain and simple. I would love him to go to the Yankees, though. That would be fantastic. I don't see that happening, though. Well, this is one I wish so earnestly that I could have been right about, especially with that Jordan Montgomery deal. But trust me, Wilt, talk about that next week. But either way, long story short, Tom was right. Both Rodon and Jock Peterson did not go anywhere. Giants only traded off a couple smaller pieces, like they gave Darren Ruff to the Mets, etc., So that whole buying and selling mantra that was leaked on Twitter turned out to be true. But pretty much all the integral parts of the Giants are still there. Next up is Brandon Drury. And dear Lord, I think a few episodes back, I was praising that the Reds would be smart and package him at some point during the future. And that was the perfect time. And they should sell him. If they don't, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. But if you don't know who Brandon Drury is, one, he's a Yankees legend. Two, he's a utility guy. He can play pretty much anywhere in the infield need be, although he's listed as third and second on baseball reference. Also can play the outfield. 2.2 war on the year and a 272 average, 19 home runs, 58 RBIs. He is the best hitter pretty much in the Reds lineup this year. Where does he end up? That is the question. (laughs) Because I don't feel like the market is super hot really, Tony, for Brandon Drury. So this one kind of has me like fumbling a little bit. I mean, I would say Seattle could be a sleeper pick, but they just made a deal with Cincinnati. I doubt they'd make another one. They would have packaged him if he were going to Seattle. I mean, honestly, 
This is a tough one to gauge, I think. I'll tell you this. I've heard, like, whispers of the Brewers. Hmm. Again, like you said, the market's been very cold. I don't remember the last time I saw a tweet about Brandon Drury. I don't know. I mean, honestly, if the Brewers can land Brandon Drury, that would actually fill a really big hole. Their third base listed on Baseball Reference right now is currently on 10-day IL. If they're willing to trade interdivisionally, honestly, I'm going to just say screw it and say the Brewers, they get two pieces. Don't get me wrong, just because it's quiet doesn't mean they're not talking about it. Frankly, I think they should, but if I were to pick one team, just, you know, like, throw a dart at a dartboard, I'm going to say the Brewers. I'll pick them twice. <laughs> you know, that is a fun team, and I, I, listen, I would love to laugh at the Reds and say they don't trade him, but honestly, that would be so stupid and asinine. And also, th- this is a podcast, we need to have some fun and say that he does get traded somewhere. The Brewers would be a great option. They could use a jolt offensively. They could probably use like three jolts offensively, (laughs) but that's not the point. I'm going to be bold and say that he somehow ends up on the Phillies. Now, this might seem as a shocker, and I'm kind of shocked as well because I have no idea, honestly, where he's going to go. But Gene Segura is down. He's on the 60-day IL, so I don't know when he's getting back. Bryce Harper, I think he should be returning at some point in the near future. But, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just in a question mark. For whatever reason, my heart is saying he's going to go to the Phillies. I honestly don't think this is going to happen. But, screw it. I'm just going to say the Phillies because i got to move on with the segment. (laughs) And say the Phillies. I'll just stick to my guns and say the Brewers and say that they get two bats. I'm with you, Tom. They could really use a jolt in the hitting department. Other than that, I like we said, folks, the market for Drury at least publicly, is quiet. So, from what we could tell, there's not too, too much we can try to gauge here. Yeah, we both kind of biffed this one, didn't we? I imagined the Brewers were going to be the big team going out spending for big bats. Turns out I should have been higher on AJ Preller and the Padres because they got not just Soto and Bell, but they also traded for Brandon Drury, and all they had to give up was their number six prospect in this... Victor Acosta, excuse me, to get him. So Padres got their farm system even more, but now they've pretty much got a super team at this point. Like, it's getting ridiculous. So let's move right back to the pitching front. We got a couple uh, smaller but still pretty efficient arms who could be on the move. First is going to be Jose Quintana of the Pittsburgh Pirates, having a nice little resurgence of his career right now. Not a great year by any means, but still, considering what he's been doing the past couple years... Honestly, I wouldn't blame any team for trying to go after him. He's got a 120 ERA plus at the moment. I remember laughing at someone for thinking the Yankees should go out and get Jose Quintana. But honestly, looking at his numbers, he's having a very respectable season. But the way things are shaping up right now, he's like the third or fourth best pitcher on the market still at the moment. So I'm going to go with a team right here that needs pitching help, but never goes for the biggest fish and always settles for like, you know, a decent enough option, especially in the pitching department. I'm going to say that Quintana goes across Pennsylvania to the Phillies. They need some depth in that rotation. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler can only carry you so far. Zach Eflin, I believe he's still hurt, actually. Him and Zach, uh, Gene Segura, like you said, but we're talking pitching here. Ranger Suarez, I think, has been okay as of late, but on the whole, he's just been kind of ineffective as of this year. 
Jose Quintana's not going to be that ace that most teams are looking for, like a Castillo or a Montas, but he's a nice 3-4 pitcher who will help you steal a couple games in a series that you otherwise wouldn't win pitching a guy like Ranger Suarez. So, the pitching, uh, the pitching, the Phillies need pitching help, and I think they find it in Jose Quintana. I'm going to be quick with this one. I'm going to say Quintana's going to go to the Twins, another team that needs some starting pitching, but never goes really for the big fish. And Quintana, I feel like, would fit that mold. Honestly, his price probably isn't going to be that high, I don't think. I mean, maybe two prospects for him or one pretty good prospect for Quintana. I don't know. It's Pittsburgh. They're a stupid front office. So you know what? They could make a terrible decision and say, you know what? We'll take a bag of Skittles for him. But the Twins do need some starting pitching and some help there. And Jose Quintana would certainly help them in that department. So you know what? I'm going to put him going to the Twins. I wonder if Tom's prophecy foresaw the St. Louis Cardinals landing Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton in exchange for right-handed pitcher Johan Oviedo. Oviedo, again, I'm sorry, I think I mispronounced your name. And minor league infielder Malcolm Nunez. So Tom and I definitely both overblew who the Cardinals would get as their prized pitching acquisition. But you know what? They got somebody. It's more than most teams could say. Next up is another batter, J.D. Martinez. Now, this is an interesting situation. The Red Sox as a whole are an interesting situation. You've got two unhappy superstars in Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers, both of them getting piss-poor contract extension offers by Haim Bloom, who Red Sox fans praised for being the next coming of Jesus Christ, pretty much. And they've been subpar, at least of this year. They are in last place in the AL East, but they're only 51 and 52. Would it be smart to try and trade some assets? Yes, but keep in mind, they're also only three and a half back of that final wildcard spot. One ounce of luck, and they could be sitting in the playoffs by like two weeks from now. Will that happen? I don't think so. But what I do think is going to happen is the Red Sox are going to hold on to their players and figure this out in the offseason. I'm going to have J.D. Martinez not moving anywhere at all. I honestly don't believe they're going to make really any significant moves at all at the trade deadline either. Well, damn, another player we are pretty unanimous on not moving. Uh, <laughs> J.D. was even quoted as saying that he wants to make it as hard on Heim as possible to move him, Heim being <laughs> Heim Bloom, the Red Sox GM. And even another trade piece in a potential trade piece in Christian Vasquez when asked if he has faith that Haim is doing the best things for the team. Vasquez straight up said, I don't know, which is not what you want to hear from a player who's only known one organization with two GMs in his time there. So rant about Haim Bloom over. Suck it, Red Sox fans. But either way, the asking price for JD has reportedly been astronomical. They're not going to get anything for him, at least what they're asking for, reportedly. I think him and Vasquez both stay. Vasquez wasn't on this board, but just for and giggles, the Red Sox aren't going to trade anyone, at least that big. So, we were both half right here, or at least I was half right. Tom didn't actually say anything about Christian Vasquez, but we were both right about JD. He's still a Red Sox. However, I said that Vasquez doesn't move. Yeah, uh, I overestimated Hein Bloom because he moved him to the Astros in exchange for minor leaguers Emmanuel Valdez and Willier Abreu. So, yeah, I don't even know what the Red Sox are doing. We're going to go more into this next week, but it's weird. 
I'll, I'll call this move weird. Moving back to the pitching front, we've actually got another red, Tyler Malley. This is a guy who, when I look at him, I always feel like his numbers are better than they actually are. His ERA is not in a great place right now, but he's also very strikeout heavy. The guy has an astronomical K per nine. And welcome again to the world of the Reds, who uh, don't have the most trade talks about them, but very well should be trading this guy. They just got rid of his fellow pitcher, Luis Castillo. I think they'll keep going. Tyler Malley, I don't think they keep. This is the pitcher I can honestly see going to the Blue Jays. Quite frankly, for the same reasons, Tom, you said Syndergaard would go there. They need a right-handed pitcher. Their pitching's been, you know, good in some respects, not so great in others. I'm not going to repeat everything you said. I'll just literally, you know, control C, control V, your argument for Syndergaard. That's my argument for Mally. They're actually pretty similar picture, uh, pitchers. They're fireballers. They rack up a ton of Ks. I just think the Blue Jays, I think Mally fits them a little better. So there's a few teams that I want to throw in here. I feel like this would be a perfect addition for the Cardinals because it would be a cheap pitcher relatively, and they can use that. That 4-4 ERA scares me, but I'm not going to say that's going to happen because he is in their division. I don't really foresee an in-division trade happening in that regard, so I'm going to disregard that for now. But there's a team that we haven't talked about, and because they've been very mediocre all year, that only is two games back in their division, in a very shaky AL Central division that we have yet to talk about that needs some starting pitching, and they can certainly use it for cheap. How about the Chicago White Sox? Yeah, you didn't think I'd mention their name. I didn't think I'd mention their name either, but he would probably be one of their better rotation mates this year. Dylan Cease should have been all-star ace, absolutely. Lucas Giolito, get the f*** out of here. You're my Cy Young pick for whatever stupid reason. I don't want to talk to you about it. Now, they did just get Lance Lynn back, but he's been god-awful with a 6-4-2 ERA. I don't want to see him anywhere, quite frankly, but um, he's on my fantasy team, so that's where the contempt comes from. They do have Michael Kopech, and they do have Johnny Cueto, who are both doing respectively well. But with Lance Lynn being so shaky right now, and Vince Velasquez on the 15-day IL, because he started some games here and there too, I do think they could use a cheap option just as a safety net. And Tyler Molly, I do believe, will be that guy. I'm going to say the White Sox. Yeah, another defiant L for the both of us. Tyler Malley ended up going to the Twins in exchange for prospects Spencer Steer, Steven Hajar, and Christian Encarnacion Strand. What a name. See, we're getting the teams right that need pitchers, that need hitters. We're just getting the exact destinations wrong. Eh, maybe later on down the line, we'll get one right eventually. Next up is Trey Mancini. Now, this is an interesting scenario again in the AL East because about a month ago, I would have said the Orioles are, of course, going to trade some guys, but they're fourth place in the AL East. They theoretically could shoot for the wild card, but I don't think they have enough talent. They could try and satisfy their fans because they know they love Trey Mancini, but they need prospects. This is still a rebuild. They're shooting the moon, quite frankly, this year with how good they've been. They should not be this good. They're always competitive, even when they're bad. But for the sake of being a smart front office move, I would love to see him stay in Baltimore. But you know what? I've got a team that I'm going to propose he's going to end up being traded to. And that is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers, who could use a bat. He'd be very cheap. And you know what? 
He might be an outfielder, and their outfield is kind of full with Christian Yelich, Hunter Renfro, and Andrew McCutcheon anyway. But you know what? He wouldn't be a bad bat to acquire, because quite frankly, they just need a decent bat at this rate. They Again, they need that jolt offensively. Mancini's got two war on the year, a 272, 351 batting average to OBP, 170, 117 OPS+. plus. There's not a lot of guys that can match Mancini's numbers on the Brewers this year, especially that slash line. I'm going to say he goes to the Brewers. So I'm going to throw out here for Trey Mancini a team that's actually been linked to them. And it's a team where you think, what, they're getting another bat? Why? I think Mancini does move because, you know, he's on the older side. He's on a deal that's going to expire pretty soon. And while he has been one of the best feel-good stories in baseball over the past couple years, especially in Baltimore, guy's a fan favorite, you have to start embracing the youth. You have to start embracing the guys who are getting you to this plateau to begin with. So that in mind, I think you have to shore up the farm system a little bit and trade him to the Mets. The Mets have been linked to Mancini in the past. I actually heard a rumor that they were closer than any other team by far to get Mancini. And my mindset here is Billy Epler wants more. This is clear in his moves so far for Vogelback and Naquin, but you have to understand this. If you want a platoon mate for Vogelback, you're not getting that in Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin is also a lefty who hits for a moderate amount of power, not as much as Vogelback, but you get it. They're both left-handed hitters that play very similar games. Naquin is basically a right-handed hitting, excuse me, a left-handed hitting Marcana. You need a right-handed equivalent to Daniel Vogelback. And if you want to platoon a guy with Vogelback, I think Mancini actually fits that hole damn well. He hits lefties better than Vogelback. He's still got some power in that bat. And I think, honestly, of the bats they have so far, he is the safest DH option. Because obviously you're not playing him at first base. You've got Pete at first base. And that DH, step, uh, DH depth right now, that's kind of hard to say, it's spearheaded by J.D. Davis. Like, him and Luis Guillorme. Guillorme I have some faith in, J.D. Davis I really don't. I feel like they're going to keep going. I mean, look at their offseason. They got Starling Marte, excuse me, they got Marcana, then they got Eduardo Escobar, then they got Starling Marte, when in reality, I think Mets fans would have been satisfied with one or even just two of those. So, I feel like they round out that bench with Trey Mancini. Not even bench, I think he becomes one of their everyday DHs, and he becomes, like I said, a platoon type for Daniel Vogelback. Great player, makes a great team even better. Nope, wrong again, you two. Trey Mancini, to your dismay, is actually going to the Houston Astros in a big three-team deal where Houston gets Mancini and Jaden Murray, the Rays get Jose Siri, and the Orioles get pitchers Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott. Astros are making moves, and the Orioles were smart to let the youth develop, although it's definitely going to hurt to see the heart and soul of Baltimore go. Jumping right back to the pitchers, we got another guy, kind of an interesting pick, who, like Rodon, did not think they'd actually be listening to offers for this guy, but <laughs> guess they are, everyone except Alcantara anyway. Pablo Lopez's name has actually been tossed around quite a bit in trade talks. Pretty much the same teams that are in on Rodon and Montas are in on Pablo Lopez. Like, I even heard the Yankees inquired about him, I believe. But big difference with Lopez is you're getting a player with a buttload of team control. He does not become a free agent until 2025. That's the same time Juan Soto hits free agency. So the asking price for Lopez is probably going to be a lot higher than some of these guys, which... Granted, I wouldn't put Lopez on the same caliber as Montas and uh, Rodon, 
He had a great start to the season, but he's most definitely cooled off here in the uh, here in the second half. And for that reason, and the fact that the Marlins trading pieces, while very, very common, I can't really see them parting ways with Lopez. I feel like he's a part of that rotation, at least for a few more years. I have Lopez staying in Miami. Him and Alcantara continue to be that one-two battery that gets beat up by the Mets, but absolutely dominates everybody else. Lopez has been a great pitcher, and I do think they will trade him eventually if the Marlins do not become competitive, which it's the Marlins, let's be real, they won't. I think he stays put. I just don't see the Marlins moving him. It doesn't make much sense considering their track record. Yeah. So here's the thing about Pablo Lopez. You are right. He would command a lot because he has tag team control. The smart thing for the Miami Marlins to do is to hold onto him again, acquire some talent in the offseason or move him in the offseason at that rate because you really have nothing to lose because he's still under control he's still going to be very good and he'll still command a high price in the offseason barring any injuries so figure out your plan then however i do believe honestly he's not going to move but again this is a podcast and we're going to have some fun here he's going to command a price but i also haven't mentioned that the cardinals would acquire pitching yet wouldn't it be great for him and Juan Soto to team up together in St. Louis? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say he's going to go to the Cardinals just to fulfill my wildest baseball fantasies that I can go to sleep every night with a smile on my face and know that I'm one day closer to the prophecy being fulfilled. Again, honestly, I don't see them moving him, but... I'm going to have some fun and say the Cardinals because you know what? <laughs> it. That's why. <laughs> I'll quote Dave Chappelle there. They're not going to have any prospects left. They're trading Listen, for two man. guys who are free agents in three years. Listen, I know. I predicted Soto to the Cardinals. They wouldn't have any prospects to really give for Lopez to match it. But you know what? <laughs> this is, I don't care about them past this year. I care about them this year. Mother go win me a World Series this year. Please. Because that, that's all I'm going to care about. <laughs> uh, you know you don't care if the Yankees win a World Series. Some fan you are. <laughs> I do care. Uh, it, it, either the Cardinals <laughs> or the Yankees need to win. That way I'll be fulfilled. After what seems like forever, Tony is finally right about a trade again. In that it didn't happen. <laughs> Trust me, I take no pride in this one because it looked like at the last minute the Yankees were going to pull off the trade for Pablo Lopez. But nothing materialized, and if Miami wants to move him, they'll have to do it in the offseason. He's under team control for a while anyway. Anyway, we're going to move on to Whit Merrifield before I'm more wrong about Pablo Lopez yet again. <laughs> so, this one's interesting, because Whit Merrifield shouldn't command a high price, being that he's 33, he's having a crappy year, but he could be a nice depth piece for some team out there. And you know what, Tony? You mentioned that the Giants are going to be buyers and sellers at the deadline. If anything, I believe they should be buying in, but buying in very small. And they always love trading for older veterans, and Whit Merrifield would fit that bill perfectly. If he goes anywhere, I do believe he could go to the San Francisco Giants. Not necessarily the start, but he could be a depth piece. He's not, again, playing that well this year. He'd probably want to start somewhere else, but what's he going to care about more, contending or starting? Because either way, he's going to make some money. I would want to contend at this rate. Just be a depth piece somewhere, if anything. If you find your spark, great. Do it out in San Francisco and make me look good. See, my big thing with Merrifield, they had so many chances to trade him. 
how many years has he led the league in hits and was like top three in steals? And everyone said, oh my God, he's a contact heavy second baseman on the wrong side of 30. You should probably just trade him instead of just let him collect hits on a dying team that's going to finish fifth again. I, I honestly think this comes down to pride. Like the, mm-hmm. the Royals GM could have sold him for a mint two years ago and be just swimming in the benefits right now, swimming in the assets that he gets in return. But instead, if you sell Merrifield now, you are selling insanely low. And the one thing I know about MLB GMs, I'm not going to claim to be an, an expert on them. I've never met one. But the one thing I could gauge from how they behave, they don't like to be proven wrong. They don't like to know that, oh, they should have traded this guy. They shouldn't have traded for that guy. They don't like to have to make those decisions, foreshadowing to Joey Gallo in the near future. But Whit Merrifield just represents, if you sell him now, you're selling him at his lowest point, and you're not going to get nearly as good a return as you could have gotten. For that one big reason of pride, I think he stays in Kansas City. He's also become a fan favorite that recently collected his 1,000th hit. Uh, I was at that game, by the way. Very fun game. Judge also hit home run number 200. But um, I-, I feel like Kansas City holds on to him for no particular reason other than the fact that they haven't sold him in the past. And why would you now? You're going to sell him low and get worse prospects than you could have gotten in years past? The Royals GM is not going to admit that he waited too long. I don't yeah, think he's going to move. Yeah, honestly, that's the more expect- that should be more expected than him going to San Francisco. But again, I'm just trying to have some fun here although yeah he probably won't be moving but i'm just gonna say the giants anyway because you know what we gotta differentiate we can't be the same here well color me surprised whit merrifield actually was moved at the last second but it wasn't to the giants it was to the blue jays and they gave up prospects samad taylor and max castillo to get him definitely less of a haul than the royals would have gotten for him say a year or two ago so well, I'm actually surprised. And MLP GM swallowed his pride and said, well, waited too long. Might as well do it now. You know what? First time for everything. And I cut Tony off, but I'm looking at the next player, and I'm wondering if we're going to differentiate here when we're talking about Martin Perez, Tony. <laughs> oh, boy. See, this is interesting because this is another guy who I realistically don't think is moving. I We kind of talked about it before, how the Rangers probably aren't as bad as you actually think they are they're not going to lose 100 games this year but they're also not good enough to hack it in the al west yet the mariners and astros are absolutely stomping them they're closer on the wild card obviously but they're not that they're not quite there they're seven and a half games back actually further under 500 than i thought they were i thought they were close to if not at 500 but honestly i'm not too sure if they move perez he is on i believe a one-year deal so it would be smart to capitalize now. I doubt he ever pitches this well again. But then again, who would even who would even bite? I wonder. Like in this scenario that I've paint that I've painted, every team that needs a pitcher has gotten a pitcher. The Yankees, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, even the Twins. The Phillies got someone in this little this little universe that I'm painting here. I don't even know if that happens in real life. <laughs> oh man, maybe the you know what? I think it's time for me to have a little fun. Tom, you actually gave me this idea because I completely forgot how bare bones the White Sox rotation is. I'm going to be fun and say Martin Perez goes to the White Sox and he shits the bed. (laughs) That has nothing to do with anything. I just think the White Sox are going to get him and the second he shows up, he's going to succumb to the same bad voodoo and goblins that made Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn pitch like crap. So 
no particular reason. I don't have any like insider knowledge as to think he might go to the White Sox. I'm just going to say, you know what? He's probably not going to move, but if he does move, the White Sox do make some sense. They don't really have a lefty anymore in that rotation. Like, quite frankly, it would be hilarious if the White Sox were in on Carlos Rodon after they ch- after they chose Dallas Keuchel over him in the offseason. But if they do feel the need, you know, the more I think about it, the more this actually makes sense. So you know what? I'm going to be more confident on the White Sox. I still don't think he's going to move, but if he goes anywhere, I do think he goes to the White Sox. They really could use another lefty in that rotation if they even have one there to begin with. I don't really think they do. Yeah, if he goes to the White Sox and shits the bed, I'm going to be very upset because he's one of my biggest fantasy contributors this year after I acquired him on the waivers. But I'm not going to be fun here and say he's not going to move anywhere. If I'm the Rangers, I'm hoping to extend him for at least two or three years after this season. He might command more of a a hefty price that the Rangers would be willing to pay. But then again, Martin Perez will be 32 next year. How much of a price can he really command? If you're the Rangers, you need quality starting pitching. And Martin Perez is by far giving you that this year. Do I think he's going to replicate this year going forward? Absolutely not. But that's what you hope for if you're the Texas Rangers. And you need some stability in your rebuild right now. And I do believe Martin Perez would be a great piece to keep for that very reason. He's going to stay. And I don't really think the Rangers are going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. They're just going to stay pat because that's what's best for the organization right now. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have been so confident about Perez going to the White Sox. He wasn't traded, and Martin Perez will spend the rest of his one-year contract in Arlington with the Rangers. Speaking of staying pat, Jock Peterson. Now, I would almost love it if he went back to the Braves because he had that Pearls chain swag in the postseason like he was one of their leaders in the clubhouse at that rate and it was just generally fun to watch on the Braves in the postseason last year but if my predictions about the Giants come true they're not really going to sell they're going to try and add very minimally and obviously that would mean they can't be selling Jock Peterson I'm going to have him not moving but if he does go anywhere I do think he'll be linked to the Braves I don't think the Giants would do that because they probably have more common sense than to try and not have that happen to a National League counterpart. But that would be fun, but I'm not going to say he's moving. That would break my philosophy of why I've been divulging this entire evening. Speaking of breaking philosophies, there's a part of me that wants to say Peterson's not moving. However, I also said Rodon's moving. And quite (laughs) frankly, if the Giants move Rodon, there's literally zero chance they don't move Peterson to. Like, if you ask me, if you're going to sell one, you might as well just see what you can get for the other. Uh, However, I there's a part of me that wants to just be bold and say the Yankees get a package deal for both Rodon and Jock Peterson, but then where do the Yankees play him? I guess, I guess you DH Stanton and have Jock play right field every day, and that could finally move someone like Josh Donaldson to the bench. See, I want to say that, I want to do your thing with Pablo Lopez, like, oh, it's not going to happen, but I'll be fun. But that creates such a logjam at the position that it's kind of like, huh, why are you doing that? Like, Aaron Hicks still exists, and he's not as bad as people say he is anymore. Still not good, but still. Eh, screw it, he's not moving. I know that kind of goes against my mantra of Carlos Rodon moving, but Jock Peterson also not moving. I, I don't know, something tells me if the Giants, like, the way they're approaching this deadline is really weird. Granted, they're in a weird place, but 
that whole buying selling tweet I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I feel like some could stay, some could go, and that's what I'm reflecting here. Most of these picks are probably going to be wrong anyway, so who knows? Maybe this is one that I actually hit <laughs> that I actually hit the nail on the head. So, eh, he's not staying. Screw it. Not going to take up too much time here. More just a refresher if you don't remember when I chimed in during the Carlos Rodon discussion. Peterson is staying put. He'll stay in San Francisco, as will Carlos Rodon. All right. Well, Tony... We finally almost made through an episode without talking about Joey Gallo's shitness. <laughs> oh, dear God. You know, he made a nice play <laughs> that game I saw against the Royals. They put him in in the eighth as a defensive sub for Carpenter. He Jesus. got an apl- he got applause at Yankee Stadium. I could definitely say that's not very common anymore. Oh, Jesus. You know, I really do feel bad for the guy. He even apologized oh, yeah. and said, listen... I'm very sorry I haven't been the guy, like, for you this year. And I honestly do feel for him. Nobody wants to do as poorly as Joey Gallo is doing. He's the butt of all the jokes. But don't worry. I do think he should be moved, or at the very least, DFA'd by the Yankees by the time the trade deadline comes and passes. Um, And then the butt of the jokes will be Josh Donaldson, rightfully so, because he sucks offensively this year, although he is playing extremely well defensively. Joey Gallo, where is he going to go? Well, he's not going in division. I can tell you that much. If he's going anywhere, I pray to God it's a smaller market so that way the pressure can be taken off of him a little bit. But the problem is there's not too many smaller markets that are really winners at this time. So unless somebody were trying to capitalize on Joey Gallo's cheapness and try and build him back up, that would be the case. But even then, I think he's a free agent after this year. So what would be the point? This is a tough one to gauge, honestly. I'm going to be fun and say that he's going to have a homecoming with the Rangers. Because you know what? Why not? Does it make sense for them? Probably not. But he was a fan favorite there. That's where he had a lot of confidence. That's where he made happy memories, I hope. Put him in a place where he can thrive and have just happiness. That's all Joey Gallo should have, is happiness. And I do think he would find that with the Rangers. I like that. That's... Honestly, that's better than where I was going to go with this. I do think he's going to get moved because I was alluding to it with Whit Merrifield. MLB GMs don't like to be proven wrong. Uh, Brian Cashman is being proven very, very wrong with his, uh, with his acquisition of Joey Gallo. Honestly, I think it's that pride that's going to prevent him from just giving him back to the Rangers. Because if you didn't know, the Yankees already had kind of a situation with the Rangers like this. They gave up Albert Abreu for Jose Trevino. And Albert Abreu, through a series of moves, has now found his way back to the Yankees. So it would be very ironic. It would be very poetic and very funny if he went back to the Rangers. But I'm going to say he goes to a different team in the American League. It's not in the division, but they're in the Central. I'm going to say Cleveland. Cleveland is in a very similar spot to Minnesota right now. They're near the top of that division. Minnesota's actually on the top. Cleveland's in second. Cleveland needs that little extra oomph to get past Minnesota, to get past Tampa Bay in the wild card race. I don't think they're going to get that with Joey Gallo, the way he's hitting right now. But you've got to understand, Cleveland versus New York, just, you've got to think mentally here. Tom, like you said, the pressure, the expectation of New York, it's it's got a stranglehold on him. It, it has a stranglehold on a lot of players who come to New York, you know, for the first time. And going to Cleveland, I think, is going to alleviate that a little bit. One, because the fans don't care about the Cleveland Guardians. No, I'm kidding. They're actually doing okay this year. Plus, they could use a little bit of outfield depth. 
Oscar Gonzalez, who's listed as their right fielder on baseball reference, is currently out with an injury. Steven Kwan and Miles Straw are doing okay. Miles Straw's actually doing terrible offensively. I'm more meaning defensively. Joey Gallo could be a nice little depth piece, nice little piece they could bring off the bench or even D8, uh, not DH, sorry, plug into right field every now and again. Because he's not, I'll say this, he's not a bad hitter at his, like, his skill set. Right now he's terrible, to not get my words twisted, but he has the talent. If he has a mitigated role with a team that's not as high pressure, high intensity as the Yankees, just send him to Cleveland, let him rehabilitate himself, and let him be a contributor for what could be a wildcard team. That's what I'll say about Gallo, but he has to move. Boy, howdy, did I not see this coming. Not just the Yankees' ability to shift Gallo over to the Dodgers of all teams, but the fact that they got their number 15 overall prospect in Clayton Beater as a return for him. Very much looking forward to seeing what Matt Blake could do with him. He's still about a year or two away from the majors, and earnestly wishing Gallo all the best. Don't want to crap on him here. I hope he finds a better home out in LA. Alright, so the last player we're actually going to deep dive right here is going to be a reliever. And that's David Robertson, Yankee legend of the Chicago Cubs. I believe I alluded to this earlier in the episode. I say I believe because we've been going on this for quite a while, hence why this is going to be our last player. We're going to wrap up after this last prediction here, but this is going to tie into the beginning of the discussion. Because as I said with Wilson Contreras, I think the Mets get a package deal when they acquire Contreras to be their everyday catcher. I think they're also going to get David Robertson for the 7th or 8th inning. Now, the Mets have the best closer in baseball right now, or one of the best closers in baseball right now, it Edwin Diaz. Robertson's not touching the ninth. They're not going to need him to touch the ninth. Quite frankly, I think it'd be kind of poetic if, you know, how, however many years after the Yankees acquire him at the deadline to be that, you know, setup man for Aroldis Chapman, now the Mets are going to acquire him to be that solid lockdown setup guy for Edwin Diaz. That's really the only argument I've had for this. I've actually seen that bundle tossed around from some MLB insiders in the past, Contreras and uh, David Robertson for X prospect here, X prospect there. I doubt they give up Francisco Alvarez. They said they don't want to get rid of Mark Vientos for a rental. So yeah, Robertson goes to the Mets. That's really all I've got to say about that. You know, Tony, I'd love to spew that he could go to another team other than the Mets because I know he's been linked to other teams. But I'm looking at how long we've been recording, and I've just kind of succumbed to the fact that, all right, just easier to say the Mets. <laughs> Honestly, they have been linked <laughs> to him the most. I do think a package deal could be in place. Obviously, if they get Wilson Contreras, like we both predicted, if they end up going for David Robertson, they'll be swinging for defenses and getting him along in this deal. Definitely won't be two separate deals. That'd be idiotic. Could he go somewhere else? Possibly. We excluded two other relievers from this conversation, such as Michael Fulmer and Scott Barlow. But uh, again, we don't really have time to deep dive them. Maybe they'll go for one of them if they don't get David Robertson. Yeah, I'm going to say David Robertson to the Mets because you know what? It's easy to do and they could surely use the help and he'd be welcomed back in New York. Last time I'm going to bother you guys right here. David Robertson did end up going to the NL East, but it was to the Phillies in exchange for pitching prospect Ben Brown. So that'll do it for me here. Hope I wasn't too obtrusive. Hope I gave you a laugh, maybe a little bit of info. And enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks for listening. Alrighty. Well, that's the trade deadline extravaganza for you. 
Those are the deals that have been done that we talk, talked about way early on in the episode, and we just went through who's left on the market. Now, of course, again, you're listening to our analysis of stuff that we believe will happen because, again, we're recording on July 31st, a Sunday. The trade deadline is Tuesday, August 2nd, which this episode will probably release Wednesday, August 3rd. So you're going to get to see how we did in terms of the overall standings, about who is right, who is wrong. Maybe we both got everything right. Maybe we both got everything wrong. But yeah, probably more everything wrong. If we all got everything right, then somebody would have been wrong along the way somewhere. To be fair, it's it's a crapshoot trying to predict these ladies and gentlemen. For insiders like Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, it's damn near impossible. How do you think we feel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm even seeing now, like, I was kind of, I'm kind of upset. I thought we were going to get a blockbuster trade happening while we were recording. I'm very upset. We didn't get anything. I mean, we got, like, whispers. Like, I'm, I literally just pulled up Twitter, and the first thing I saw was, apparently, I don't know if this is fake or not, the Mets are trying to get J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez rather than Contreras and Robertson. I don't know how tr- true that is. I don't know whose account this is, but... That, that's what this is. It's basically organized gambling. It's a big guessing game. It's fun, don't get me wrong, but we'll see. We will see. <sighs> Jesus. I would love to say that I'm going to have more right, but honestly, when it comes to predictions, I am usually terrible at them, so I cannot be confident in my picks, mainly because half of them, I was probably just saying, you know what, screw it. He's going to go here, because why the hell not? <laughs> I didn't even have concrete reasoning between half of these picks anyway, so you know what? It's fine with me. If I lose, I'll lose honorably, and I won't put up a fight next week about it. So, it is what it is. That's a trade deadline. We hope it's as entertaining as we made it out to be, and that Juan Soto is actually traded. Frankie Montas becomes a New York Yankee, and also the Yankees get another bullpen arm. And everybody starts moving everywhere, and we start to see who's really going to be the contenders in the postseason. Because at the end of the day, that's what the trade deadline is made for. But who knows? It's been relatively boring outside of Andrew Benintendi and Luis Castillo so far. So we'll see. Only time will tell. But that's a different conversation for another day. Probably next week, because we're probably going to have to recap some of these trades. Oh, God, yeah. Next week is pretty much going to be the aftermath of the trade deadline, plus whatever other crap has happened so far, we'll see. We will definitely have to see. But for the time being, we're going to call this an episode right here and just kind of lay in wait until the trade deadline on Tuesday. So get your popcorn ready, folks, even though it's will have already been passed. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening to episode 35, the trade deadline extravaganza edition of the Diamond Duo podcast. I've been Tony Puglisi. That's been Tom Bauer. Go follow us on social media at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, The Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram, and keep an eye out for those first half teams of the first half graphics. We're going to post them very soon. Go vote for my team or vote for Tom's team again if you want to give him a pity vote or two. And Tom can't interrupt me because this is the outro. So go vote for my team. <laughs> anyway, thank you again so much for listening. We will see you this time next week. So long. Vote for Tom Bauer. No. Well, friends, we wish that could be the end of the episode right there, where we have a fun moment and we can end on a happy note. But when we were putting the bow on this episode, 
we learned that Vin Scully has passed away at the age of 94. If you don't know who Vin Scully is, simply put, he's the GOAT. He's the best broadcaster, best announcer that's ever graced this earth, and certainly graced the sport of baseball in its rich, rich history. He was the longtime voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and to many baseball fans, the gateway, the voice, the one you would instantly recognize with baseball or the Dodgers, however you want to put it, however you define his legacy, he's simply the best. And it's just an unfortunate thing that we have to report that Vin is in heaven now. And we're sure that wherever he may be, he's staring down, smiling, looking at all of us, embracing his legacy, embracing his memories, and his spirit and kindness and everything about him will live on forever. And I'm sure we'll probably talk more about Vin next week in our episode. And for now, we're going to end episode 35 with a quote from Vin himself. I believe this was from his final broadcast. I really apologize if I'm wrong, but I found it on Twitter, and I, I think it's a good way to honor Vin and his passing. From Tom, Tony, Diamond Duo Nation, and everywhere and everybody across the world, rest in peace, Vin Scully. Now let's let Vin take it away. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.